And uh, God is going to talk to us tonight about groanings, things that not, and it's interesting because he's not only going to talk about the human beings, if you will, us. He looks at metaphorically uh, personifying nature as also groaning. So the whole creation uh, uh, is groaning and moaning, waiting uh, for the adoption that will come when uh, those of us who have placed our faith and trust in Christ will be with him. But it's tough down here. Listen, folks, I never want to underestimate the suffering and the pain and the trials that folks go through. Now you say, well, well, Rich, you try and live on topside and happy and live on the mountaintop. I try. I don't always do it because, listen, folks, uh, uh, as a pastor, People don't come to me most of the time and say, hey, I got a blessing I want to share with you. Now, that does happen. The majority of folks, though, they come to my office or call me on the phone or text me, would you please pray for my heart's broke. I'm, I'm, I'm having uh, uh, my parents are sick or my child's sick or my spouse is sick or we're going through a really tough time. And I never want to paint an unrealistic picture. Yes, there's the peace of God that passes all understanding. But there's also the torture of life. It's true. And we groan and we moan and it's difficult. And that's what we're going to be looking at this evening. But we're talking about going from that state of groaning and just hurting and the pain of living down here in this world to the glory that waits for us. Do you ever long for something to take place? I mean, it's like, I just can't wait. I just had uh, one of our families go on vacation, taking a cruise. I, I've been listening for a couple of months to them happily. Man, can't wait. You know, it's going to be great. We're going to be out and uh, cruising. Uh, or they think they started in Hawaii. Maybe some of you know who they are. I'm not going to say who they are, but they're out there. And uh, I mean, they're looking forward to it. And, and you have things that you honestly look forward to. It's like, man, I can't wait for this to happen. And it's exciting and it's wonderful. Woo, I can't wait till it comes. And a lot of the times when we're moaning and groaning and life isn't going well and you're stuck at work and the kids are messed up and having problems or your teenagers are having problems and you're having problems at work and the finances aren't going the way you want and the car breaks down for the 53rd time and, and your wallet isn't as full as it used to be and, and all of a sudden all these groanings, you kind of say, man, I can't. In like in 30 days, you know where we're going to be? And uh, you get kind of excited about it. It's like, wow, we're going to be on vacation. We're going to be on a cruise or we're going to be going somewhere else or I'm going to go see the grandkids. Some are doing that right now. And, and it's something to look forward to. And that's exactly what he's talking about here. In the midst of your pain, in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the sacrifice, wow, it's coming. It's coming. Do you have expectation expectations of wonderful things to happen in your life. You see, here's what happens. If you're struggling right now with life, and it's tough, and it's hard, and you just cannot find joy like you used to have at some point, it's like, man, it's just one problem after another. I want to encourage you tonight as we go through this passage. I want you to look beyond where you're at right now. And that's what the passage is going to talk about. The Apostle Paul is going to encourage us, look beyond where you are to what's coming, and your groanings will turn into, if you will, 
glory. So tonight what we're going to do in about a half an hour, we're going to examine three biblical facts regarding the present earthly environment and the future glorious environment for God's people. Romans chapter 8, verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time... Now, uh, you should have the outline in your bulletin, so what are we starting out with? The present sufferings. So Paul makes no... He he doesn't try and sugarcoat this. A lot of times, maybe you've heard, especially back in the days when uh, 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 folks that were trying to convince people, listen, you need to trust Christ because your world will become... or your life will just become wonderful... And they try to get these rose-colored glasses. Put your faith and trust in Jesus, and all of a sudden life turns into utopia. Well, no, what turns into utopia is knowing that when you die, you're going to go to heaven now. The utopia is not down here. This world, you know the song, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's golden shore and I don't feel at home in this world anymore. It's just not. And and, and what we're looking at is God saying, listen, you're going to suffer, you're going to go through tough times. Now, that's not real encouraging, is it? But it's a fact of life. It's called, as as John Seacos told me a year or two ago, he says, brother, just keep being real, be real. And uh, I've kept that advice because it's good advice. You see, what uh, uh, we like to do is sugarcoat the truth, and we like to tell people uh, everything's okay when sometimes it just isn't. Will things turn out good? Well, the Bible tells us, you know the verse, Romans eight twenty eight, that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. So, so we know, despite the pain, despite the sufferings, despite the hardships, that God is working everything out for good. But it doesn't mean it's going to be a bed of roses on that road to glory. So Romans 8, he says, listen, I consider that the sufferings of this present time. So Paul is not making any uh, excuses. He's not uh, trying to uh, shield the facts from me. He said, yeah, you're, you're going to suffer down here. By the way, how did, Paul, how, did, how did Paul's life end? They martyred him. They killed him. If you go back to 2 Corinthians, we've gone through it, and I'm not going to go through it again tonight because I've done it multiple times in the past month or so. Paul talks about, I mean, he was beat up, he was stoned, he was shipwrecked. I mean, his life was a disaster. They beat the fire out of him. They left him for dead multiple times. And Paul says, listen, I count it all but rubbish for the excellency of knowing Christ. And uh, all those things meant nothing to him. Well, let's move on. The, the prophetic glory. So he says, listen, I know we're going through the sufferings of this present time, but hang on. I want to encourage you. Are not worthy to be compared with the what? The glory which shall be revealed in us. Who's he talking to? He's talking to us. He's talking to God's people. He's talking to those that have placed their faith and trust in Christ. Those of you that know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die, you'd go to heaven. And if you don't know that, we'll tell you how by the end of the service tonight. But he's saying, listen, Christian, those of you that know Christ as your Savior, yes, you're going to suffer. Yes, you're going to go through tough times. But he's like, hang on. And now he's saying a word of encouragement to us. Those things that you're going through now are horrible. He says, I admit, it's tough. It's hard. It's difficult at times. But he says, you know, in comparison... 
the hardest things that we go through don't even compare with the glory that we're going to have when we get to heaven. Now, isn't that good? I mean, it's hard for us in human form to even imagine what he's talking about here. But if you go through and and, uh, Revelation, specifically chapters 21 and 22, and it describes the new Jerusalem where we'll be staying with the Lord. You read Revelation 21 and 22 before you go to bed tonight, and you'll be a happy camper when you go to sleep. It's like, wow, this is wonderful. It's beautiful. It's glorious. And we'll be with Jesus the entire time. Now, to many of us, it's like that's really hard to comprehend. And I'll agree, it is hard to comprehend, but it doesn't change the fact that that's where we're headed. And that's what Paul's trying to say. Listen, the, the, the tough times that you're going through, the hardships that you're going through, it doesn't even compare with how happy you're going to be when you get to glory. And all God's people said? Amen. I mean, but we got to believe it. It's the same thing when, uh, uh, at the time and point when you said, I trust Jesus as my personal Savior, and you accepted the free gift of salvation, realizing you were a sinner, realizing you didn't deserve to go to heaven, realizing that Jesus Christ, God's Son, came down from heaven, died on the cross for your sins, and all of a sudden you put your faith and trust in Him, and you went from being totally lost, not knowing if you're going to heaven, to being a person that was excited and thrilled about what Jesus had done for you. And it became real. That's how it's going to be when we get to heaven. We got a little glimpse of it. We got a little understanding of it. But he's like, listen, folks, try and imagine this. Try and put this upstairs in the cranium. As tough as it is now, doesn't compare with the glory with which you're going to have. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. Let me give you a little example. So there... There's a young couple, and they're not married yet, and they're looking forward to what? Getting married and being together and enjoying each other's company. And is everything easy getting to that wedding day? Is it? Ask the parents. They're the ones that suffer more than anybody. I'm not looking at you guys. Um, <laughs> But just think about it. Think back to before you were married. So Valerie and I, when we were dating at uh, college, and that's my little wifey right there. Um, By the way, if you haven't bought your Valentine's banquet tickets, you go see her tonight, please. I want to see you there. But anyway, Valerie and I are are dating, and uh, I mean, I'm all starry-eyed and googly-eyed, and it's uh, like uh, I always loved uh, talking about eschatology, the study of future things. I'll be honest, I was more looking forward to marrying Valerie than I was of being raptured to heaven. I mean, we were in love, and I cared about her, and it's like, I, I just, can you hold off a little bit? It's like, I want to marry her, I want to spend time with her. And uh, she said the same thing before we got married, I'm not sure about now, but anyway, uh, <laughs> can you imagine living with me for 43 years? Wow. Hey, there you go. All right, Sheila, thank you. (laughs) But I mean, it was, I can't wait to marry this girl. I want to be with her. I want to enjoy her. I want to uh, raise a family with her. And it was an expectation. And the sufferings and going through school and the financial hardships and all the things you go through when you're young. 
you want to know what, my first, what our first home was and how much it cost? And this wasn't during the Great Depression. My first home cost $3,000. $3,000. You say, your home, what was it? It was a 12 by 55 mobile home. And we bought it at a, at a trailer park down in uh, Ross County, uh, Indiana, which is right next to Gary. Beautiful place. How many of you know about Gary? Steel mills, stunk, stinky, horrible place. And uh, I mean, I was just, I was living the dream. I got my own little home, paid for it with cash, $3,000. Didn't have a dime to my name. We came back from our honeymoon, and, uh, and uh, basically a recession had hit. I mean, I, I, I won't tell you this, but I spent doggone near every dime I had on our honeymoon. It was a great honeymoon. But when we got back home, I didn't have two nickels to rub together, and there were no jobs. So I spent 40 hours a week going place to place to place. You said, well, did you, did you check the news? I, I went through the newspaper ads. I did all that. And it, it just weren't getting anywhere. So I finally, I went to one place. He wasn't looking for help. And I begged him. I mean, I, and I did it at several places. And uh, he felt sorry for me. He's like, all right. He says, you know, uh, and I was wearing a suit and tie. And this is a shop, a plastic shop. And he's like, I don't know that you're going to fit in here. And I said, listen, I know I'm all dressed up and all that, but I said, this, this stuff comes off. I know how to put on work clothes, and I'll work as hard as I possibly can for you. I'll work for free for a week or whatever. If you want me to, you can test me. I said, all right, I'll take you. Well, he did pay me, and I, he ended up being a great, great friend over the years. But here's the thing. We, we moan and we groan and we suffer and we go through hard times, but then you came home to our little sweet little trailer, and there's your prize, prize little wife's there. And uh, was it tough on her? Oh, you bet you it was tough on her. Was it tough on me at times? Oh, it was tough. But uh, 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 listen, we look forward to what's coming, and uh, now we have marital bliss. I mean, it can't get any better than what we have. So, uh, and she's going, oh, boy. Um, <laughs> But it's true, and, and that's the concept. What I'm trying to get across, of course, is, is, is get away from my slight sarcasm, but the, the issue is this. Before you got married, bam, boy, I just can't wait until we put those rings on and we're together. And, I, I mean, I was there, been there, done that, and I loved it. And God says, as much as, uh, and, and maybe, obviously, if you've not been married, this makes no sense or isn't the best illustration, but just think about something you just really look forward to and it finally happened, and you're like, whoo, this is wonderful. And God says, uh, 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 you want to get through life? You want to be able to handle the difficulties that you're going through? Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. The joy that was set before him. He said, listen, I got to go to that before I can enjoy God's people with me. So through the trials, through the tears, through the heartaches, God says, listen, 
Would you get a smile on your face at least? Think about what's coming. Yeah, you got to go through life. It's not always easy. For the earnest expectation, now we're going to slip into the creation concept for a minute. For the earnest expectation of the creation, not people, but the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. So what I'd like you to do, grab your Bibles and... Let's think about this for a moment, about creation. What, what does he mean creation's groaning? Well, we're talking some metaphorical concepts. Uh, we're going to go to Genesis 3 in just a moment. So if you want to start turning there. While you're doing that, I want to just give you two other verses. God uses nature to basically illustrate things that are taking place right here in our lives. And uh, in Isaiah chapter 35, verse 1, the prophet states, the wilderness and the desert will be glad. Well, how does a wilderness and a desert be glad? He's talking about when Christ returns and the wilderness and the desert will rejoice. Well, what does he mean by that? He's saying nature itself, when Christ returns and he's talking about Israel, the plant life will come back, the vegetation will come back, and it'll just be a wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, experience to be in Israel because God's going to change the earth there and make it very productive. So the uh, he says metaphorically, the wilderness and the desert will be glad. Uh, Isaiah 55 12, the mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Now, folks, no, the trees are not going to turn into human beings or animals and start clapping their hands. What he's saying is that uh, even creation, which was created, how was creation made? What's the word for it? When, when God originally made creation, what, what, what was it? Was it good, bad, perfect, ugly? Perfect. No sin, no corruption, perfect. Genesis 3, let's go there. It's not on the screen, so rip, up those, rip out those Bibles. Don't rip them up. Uh, but go to Genesis chapter 3, first book of the Bible. So here's what happens. Genesis 1 and 2, God creates Adam and Eve and uh, everything literally that exists in the world. And uh, uh, God's done with creation, and the devil, of course, Satan, had fallen who was a perfect angel, Lucifer, talked about in Ezekiel chapter 28. Lucifer rebels against God, and now he's going to try and corrupt Adam and Eve. So he succeeds. Adam and Eve both uh, eat the forbidden tree, and sin comes into the world. So that which was perfect, and you nailed it, you all got an A on that one. So it was perfect. But what happened immediately after Adam sinned after Eve sinned. What took place? Well, Genesis 3, verse 14. So the Lord God said to the serpent. Now, who's the serpent here? It's Satan. It's the devil. Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you, speaking of Satan and the woman. Basically, we're talking about Israel, who's going to, and uh, um, some will even go so far as Mary, and between your seed and her seed. He, Jesus, shall bruise your head, Satan, and you shall bruise his heel. Well, how is Jesus' heel bruised? Right there. 
You're exactly right, crucifixion. All right, so that's, that's one piece of it. But let's go to what we're trying to get to about creation. To the woman, he said, which was Eve, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Every single lady here who's ever had a child can say, uh, yeah, I understand what he's saying here. Before the fall, according to what this is telling us, you wouldn't have had a, I mean, you just have a baby and all's good. Probably, you know, have the baby jump up and say, man, that was wonderful. But that's not what it is now. And, you, and ladies can tell you about that. Valerie can just definitely told me about it, and I was there for three kids' births. <laughs> I mean, the first, uh, our first child, and I don't want to get too graphic on this, but uh, she was like, uh, 20, was it almost 30 hours in labor? 30, can you imagine? 30 hours in labor. I, 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 and I, as I told you, I lived in a 12 by 5, or 12 by 5, 12 by 55 trailer, didn't have any money except for the little bit I was making at that place that I just told you about. Didn't have insurance. So we were at a county hospital for our first child, Tabitha. And all seriousness now, I thought you were going to die. The nurse, and again, not to get real graphic, but this isn't, I can tell this much. After 30 hours of labor, Valerie obviously is exhausted. So they're like, we got, we got to get this baby to come. The nurse literally got straddled Valerie, her head facing down towards her toes, and she begins to just push on the baby. Now, ladies, you can just imagine what's taking place. Finally, uh, they got a, and it, again, a big set of forceps, and they got my little girl out. But she, as many of you, went through the jaws of death in order to deliver a child. It, it was tough, and it was hard, and, and it was scary even. And back in the day, many ladies did lose their lives going through things like that. You say, well, what's the point of this? Well, the point is that what Satan or what God said would happen to ladies is exactly what happens now. Now, of course, if you've got a good hospital, they can do C-sections and uh, spinal tap or spinal uh, injections and all those things, which definitely will help. But she didn't have that luxury back when we had Tabitha. So he said to the woman, he said, I'll greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, now here's, here we go. Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the what? The ground. Cursed is the ground. Now, you, those of you that are in agriculture, those of you that have farms and uh, uh, raise things in, in the fields and so forth, the reason you struggle with your crops is because of what took place right here. Creation has been corrupted, the thorns and the thistles and the weeds and, and the, the corruption that can happen to uh, the fields is a result of the curse. God cursed this earth because of the fall. You say, well, are you saying if uh, uh, the fall wouldn't happen that we'd have, I mean, you go, go out there, throw a few seeds, and you're good to go? Yeah, that's pretty much. But that's not the way it is because of sin. 
So what does he say to Adam? He said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife, have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall need of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread. Now is that graphic? It is. I mean, he's saying, listen, because of sin, because you did wrong, Every single person that's going to go out there and farm their fields is going to suffer from now on until, until Jesus comes back and basically changes everything around when he returns to this earth to set up his kingdom according to multiple places in Scripture and specifically Revelation 20. Uh, In the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. And now here comes the worst curse known to man, the next statement. Till you, till you, Adam, till you return to the ground. You see, until Adam and Eve sinned, there's no death in the world. If they wouldn't have sinned, if they wouldn't have gone against God, they would have never died. But they did. And God pronounced death upon them. Now, if you're here this morning, we talked about the first death, which is physical, and the second death, which is spiritual death. Revelation 21.8 talks about the second death. Every single person who rejects Jesus Christ, refuses to accept Jesus as their Savior, will experience the second death. What's the second death? Not pleasant. The Bible says it's the eternal lake which burns with fire and brimstone. So it's no joke. And that's part of the curse that God placed upon mankind, which is why we need a Savior known as Jesus Christ. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 20, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that we're without excuse. Romans 1, 20, what's he saying? He's like, listen, even though the creation is corrupt, even though it's not like it used to be or will be, You can go outside, you can look at the fields, you can look up in the heavens, you can see the sky, you can see the stars, you can see the moon, you can see how God supplies for us every single day. You can't avoid it, it's there. And he said that's why people are without excuse. If you don't realize that I exist, God says, by simply walking outside and seeing the things that are there, you got a hardened heart. So he's making it very clear. So he says, for the earnest expectation of the creation, why is it groaning? Why is, why is it in pain? Why is it suffering? Well, because of what? Right, right here, Genesis 3, because of the curse. And that's why you suffer. That's why the earth suffers. Well, let's move on. The prophetic glorious delivery of creation. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Well, let's, uh, if you've got your Bible, let's go to one other passage real quick. Let's go over to Revelation 21, first five verses. Revelation 21, 1 to 5. And this talks about what's coming. And this is exciting. So this whole world, this whole body, this whole corruption is going to go away. And here's what's coming. And it speaks to what uh, Paul was talking about in Romans 8. So the Apostle John, writing in Revelation 21, says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Second Peter chapter 3 
uh, several verses in there talk about this world is going to be, if, after we get through the millennial kingdom, it's all gone. It's going to be burned up with fire. You say, is there going to be global warming? Warming? Well, yeah, it's going to last about, I don't know how long, an hour or two, and this thing's gone, gone, I mean, burned up. And, and God says, listen, I've, I've got a new heaven and a new earth waiting for you, those of you that placed your faith and trust in Christ. Verse 2, then I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he, Jesus, God the Father, will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them. Isn't that something? God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will, and here we go, and God will do what for all of us? He's going to wipe away every single tear from their eyes. No more death. Oh, that's a good thing. No more death. No sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain. Every single person here, the older we get, the more pains you suffer and go through, the more heartaches you experience. As, uh, and thank you to all those that uh, sent cards and all that kind of stuff. I hate celebrating birthday because it reminds me I'm another year older, but, uh, but I appreciate the love you, you give me for that. So yesterday was my birthday, and it reminded me you're getting closer, brother. And it reminds me when I walk up and down stairs why my knees hurt. And it reminds you that you huff and you puff and your legs hurt, your arms hurt, your back hurts, and you, and you go through tough times and you end up in the hospital at times and you go through these sufferings. But it's like, all right. And a couple of folks said, listen, and I, and I, I shouldn't do, but I complain about getting older. And they say, listen, brother, you're another day closer to heaven. And I said, I'm good with it. I'm good with heaven. I just don't know how I'm going to get there yet. You know, and I don't know what that journey's like. And, and a lot of you are the same. It's like, I don't know how I'm going to, what's going to happen? Uh, those of you that knew uh, Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, who was, of course, my good friend and mentor, and Dr. DeYoung across the country, when he preached prophecy conferences, he said, listen, folks, he said, you know, I'm, he's like, I hate flying. He's like, I hate flying. He's like, I, I, I just don't like doing it. Because he's like, if that plane drops, and I shouldn't tell you this, but, he's like, but he said it all the time. He's like, if that plane drops out of the sky, that's not the way I want to go. And he says, it's not that I'm afraid of going to heaven. It's just I'm a little bit concerned about the methodology God's going to use to get me there. And I'm like, okay, I won't say amen to that, but it's like, amen. Uh, I understand. I get it. Uh, but he said, listen, uh, the, this world is going to change. Verse 5, then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, right, for these words are true and faithful. Well, what about the present expectation of Christians? We looked at creation. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves, Christians, grown within ourselves, eagerly awaiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body, for we are saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope, for why does one still hope for what he sees? So listen, here's what he's saying in simplicity, and we'll close. He's like, hey guys, can we talk? Let's sit down. Let's gather around the fireplace for a minute here, and let's be real. Like every single one of us is going to face death someday. It's coming. 
and many of you watch others. We just mentioned one this morning whose dad went home. And you're going to be painful at times. It's going to hurt at times. And you're going to be scared at times. But here's what I want you to do. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we shall be. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is, First John 3, 2. He's like, come on. You want to know how to put a smile on your face? You want to know how to get through the suffering and the pain and the toil and the hardships that we go through now? He's like, would you just do one thing? When you go home, fix your eyes on Jesus. When you go to work, fix your eyes on Jesus. When, when you're having conflict, fix your eyes on Jesus. When life seems more than you can handle, fix your eyes on Jesus. When, when uh, uh, you're going through the most difficult time, when you've lost a loved one, fix your eyes on Jesus. And he says, when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Let me give you that one last passage and I promise I'll stop. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I love this passage. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. The Apostle Paul says, Behold, Christian, I'm going to tell you a mystery, something that's not been revealed in the past. We're not going to all sleep or die. But we all, and Paul included himself in this, he thought he was going to get transformed uh, way back in the first century. He says, but well, we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, it's a nanosecond, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible or imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal must put on immortality but when this perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality here it comes and I love this part then will come about the saying that is written death is swallowed up in do you know the next word victory victory Victory. Folks, when we walk out of here tonight, if you know Jesus Christ, you should walk out in victory. It's like all these side issues, all the side problems, all these other things can't compare. You already won. You won. You got the victory. You're going to spend eternity with the Lord. Folks, it don't get any better than that. I can't give you any better news than that tonight, that Christ Jesus, through what he did, when you received that free gift of eternal life, he said, listen, yeah, uh, 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 we admit, it's going to be tough sometimes. You're going to go through the difficult times. But listen, fix your eyes on Jesus. Think about what's coming, and I want you to live on victory side. Can I ask you what you're going to do with Jesus tonight? You say, Pastor, i got to be honest. <laughs> It's been tough. It's been tough. And I've been going through struggles. And God says, okay, welcome to the human race. And I don't mean that in a condescending way. Folks, you just don't get around it. We're going to go through difficult times. But here's what we don't want to do is focus on the earthly issues. 
What we do want to do is, yes, we have to deal with them, but he's like, listen, if you'll fix your eyes on Jesus, if you'll fix your eyes on eternity, if you'll fix your eyes on what's coming, I can't wait till vacation comes. I can't wait till my marriage comes. I can't wait till the day I retire. I can't wait till the day when, uh, uh, and you put fill in the blank. Well, how about putting this on that I can't wait till list? I can't wait until someday, whether by death or by rapture, I open my eyes and, is that Jesus? Whoa, we're there. We're finally there. What did he say? No more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for these dear folks tonight. Lord, just this is such a wonderful passage. Yes, you, you don't skirt around the issues. You don't deny what's really taking place in this world. But boy, oh boy, you've given us a really, really, really good thing to fix our eyes on tonight. So Lord, I pray as we go back into the battlefield, as we go back into uh, those that don't know what most of us, if not all in this room tonight, know, would you help us to keep a smile on your, our face as we walk and whistle and have a song in our heart as we go through the restaurants and the stores and our workplace and people are wondering what is wrong with us, we can say, no, nothing's wrong with me because I know victory is in Jesus. If you're here tonight watching on the internet, if you never placed your faith and trust in Christ, if you never have understood that you're a sinner and that because you sin, you don't deserve to go to heaven, and that Jesus Christ, God's Son, came down from heaven, died on the cross for your sins, was buried, and three days later rose again. Why did he do that? Because he wants you to go to heaven when you die as well. You see, it's so simple. You say, well, how do I get to heaven when I die? Receive the free gift of eternal life by placing your faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone the night. You can't work your way to heaven. You can't buy your way to heaven. The only way to heaven is through by faith. The Bible says... For God so loved the world, that's each one of us, that he gave his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever believes in him in his death, burial, and resurrection should not perish or go to hell, but have everlasting life with him. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ, you do it right now. And then if you're on the Internet, you uh, either email me, the, the email address is on your screen, or you can call us here at Union Grove Baptist Church, and I'd love to help you. And of course, if you're in the auditorium tonight, why don't you come back and see me tonight and let's, let me help you grow in your walk with Christ. Now, Father, seal decisions. Help us all to rejoice that in, in Jesus Christ, we have the